Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege this week to welcome to Talk Nation Radio Ed Mead. Ed Mead is former director of the Prison Art Project, former co-editor of Prison Focus, and a former prisoner. He is the author of Lumpen, the autobiography of Ed Mead. We'll be talking about the nationwide prison strike in the United States. Ed Mead, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. What, uh, how, how did this strike come about, and, and what's happening with it? Well, uh, the, the current strike is uh, part of a growing trend. Uh, it, it started uh, in 2010 with prisoners in Georgia initiating a statewide work strike. That strike lasted for five days before it was crushed by the administration, and none of their demands were met. But it showed prisoners what could be accomplished uh, through unity. And there had been fledgling attempts uh, since then. Uh, you know, uh, last year, or a year before last, I guess it was, the Free Alabama Movement. Uh, uh, called for a, a national prison strike around uh, the issue of slavery and conditions. And that strike uh, resulted in prisons in, in 12 states going down on, 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 on work strikes and various other forms of protest. Uh, this time, uh, seven prisoners were killed in a... Uh, in a prison back east, uh, north or south Carolina, I'm not sure which. And as a result of the repression that followed that, uh, prisoners called for a nationwide strike uh, by prisoners. Well, a strike and, and other forms of protest, uh, you know, sit-ins, uh, uh, refusing to eat, refusing to work, and, and, that, and that sort of thing. And so... Uh, People, uh, outside people around the country started helping to prepare uh, uh, for the possibility of this struggle. And uh, we in Seattle have formed a group. Well, we don't have a name for it, but uh, we've been uh, demonstrating uh, nearly every day as, as, uh, as the strike continues. The strike uh, started on... August 21st, which we call George Jackson Day. It was the day that George Jackson was killed by prison guards at San Quentin Prison in California. And the strike is going to end on September 9th. It's the day uh, that the Attica Rebellion in, uh, at Attica Prison in New York uh, started. And, and so this struggle is going on uh, uh, between those two dates. Uh, August 21st and September 9th. Re regardless uh, of whether demands are met. Right, regardless of whether demands are met. Uh, uh, prisoners are, are more or less communicating with each other uh, through their actions. Uh, they're voting with their feet. And, and uh, you know, and, and also an effort to uh, in, in increase public consciousness, like most citizens don't understand that 
as a result of the 13th Amendment of the Constitution, which abolished slavery in America, it did make an exception. Uh, that that uh, amendment reads, neither slavery, excuse me, slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, uh, shall exist within the United States. And so it is that exception that authorizes this, the slavery of uh, 2.2 million um, Americans. And, and the deprivation of rights uh, of the 14.7 formerly, formerly convicted people who are living on the streets. The, uh, uh, the United States understands that, that slavery is wrong. Uh, they are a signatory to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Article 4 of which says, no one shall be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery shall be prohibited in all their forms. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's important to make Americans aware of the fact that this kind of oppression has taken place. Uh, it's, 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 it's not only the involuntary servitude, it's also the, uh, the deprivation of, of civil rights, such as uh, they're, they're disenfranchised, they're not able to vote. And if they were able to vote, for example, uh, the politicians uh, in areas where prisons were located would be clamoring for the prisoner vote. Uh, and and that would bring about that would that would bring about some constructive change, as opposed to stuffing uh, three grown men into a six by twelve foot cell and leaving them leaving them in there uh, for twenty four hours a day, months on end. And the you know the the rationale for treating people in this way. Is based in the U.S. Constitution, the same Constitution that held that black people were merely three fifths of a human being. So, do you think it's the uh, it's the legacy of slavery that creates this level of cruelty in in U.S. prisons as compared with with prisons in some other wealthy countries? Uh, well, uh, prisoners in in uh, some other countries, uh, I'm thinking of Scandinavia in particular, uh, have, they have a far different approach to criminal justice. It's not based on retribution and punishment. It's based on, on uh, you know, uh, uh, crime as a symptom of a weakness in society. And just as you have a suit that, that has uh, is threadbare, uh, you patch that spot. You, uh, you, you make that spot uh, stronger. Uh, and and, and so their approach to this is a bit smarter than ours. Uh, we could send uh, a prisoner to Harvard or Yale or any other college and make nuclear rocket scientists out of them or something for less money than it costs to keep them in prison for a year, and they would be able to get employment once released. Uh were they, or, you know, were they educated and trained in, in, in that way? But, you know, prison administrators and uh, law enforcement 
uh, all about retribution and punishment. Although it's been demonstrated over and over again that punishment doesn't work. Uh, I have a dog uh, sitting here behind me, and I found that uh, she responds to treats uh, for training uh, rather than punishment. Indeed. That's common sense. The the prisoners on strike, I've seen a list of ten demands, and demand number two is an immediate end to prison slavery. All persons imprisoned in any place of detention under U.S. jurisdiction must be paid the prevailing wage in their state or territory for their labor. Uh, mm-hmm. would, that, would that constitute an end to slavery if, if all prison labor was, was paid the prevailing wage? It would certainly constitute an end to prisons as we know them. Right. And where it would it would be an end to warehousing uh, prisoners because uh, they're the ones that do all non-custodial functions. They do the laundry, they cook the food, they clean the floors, they maintain the uh, lawns. You know, they they do everything except you know carry guns. And actually, they used to carry guns in Texas. They called them tear tenders, and because of the hideous abuses, they discontinued that practice. Prisoners are also put to work for on other jobs for corporate profits, are they not? Yes, yes, yes. In fact, uh, the demonstrations that have been going on here in Seattle, uh, two of the uh, outfits who uh, profit from prison labor, uh, McDonald's, uh, hamburgers, and Starbucks, uh, have been targeted with uh, with our protests. What? But there's 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 hundreds of of, of corporations that uh, are are making money off of prison labor, and here in Washington, uh, for example, the University of Washington, uh, all their furniture is made by prisoners and and supplied to the university, and the prisoners are paid you know a pittance, so. Uh, that that needs to change. So that that savings motive, that profit motive, would go away if if the prisoners had to be paid uh, the way other people have to be paid. Yes, yes, it certainly would. Yeah. So, have you heard uh, much news since this strike began uh, on August twenty first uh, in seventeen at least seventeen states? Have you have you heard uh, any news from any prisons? Uh, not yet. Uh, one, and there are, there are reasons for that. Uh, first of all, like the New York Times and the Guardian, uh, reported on these 17 states, uh, but those states don't include, uh, you know, like we have actions here inside, uh, in Washington state and also in California. Uh, there the reason is that one thing prison administrators do, uh, their, their task, task with the uh, maintaining a smooth-running prison. And so when a disruption like this happens, they don't say that prisoners are on strike. They say, we have locked down the prison. And when they do that, they're able to cut off the phones 
and heavily censor any communications that go in or out of the prison. So it's a little bit early for us to determine uh, how widespread this is because it takes some time uh, for us to get the word out. There's or for a, them to get the word out. The, the list of demands that the, that the prisoners are hoping to, to see met uh, include a, a sort of general reform of, uh, of prison, including undoing uh, a bunch of horrible legislation uh, with lovely-sounding names. Uh, the Prison Litigation Reform Act, the, <laughs> the Truth in Sentencing Act, the Sentencing Reform Act. Yeah. So, so these prisoners are against reform and, uh, and, and so forth, and truth. They're against truth. Uh, but these are actually recent developments that have, that have increased the, the unfairness. Uh, yeah, draconian measures. And, and not only not only state and federal legislators, but also uh, the last time that the last time that there was a prisoners movement. Uh, well, actually, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a prisoners movement, but back in the 1950s, there was a wave of prison riots across the United States, and that ushered in the era of debilitation. Uh, guards became correctional officers. Wardens became superintendents. Prisons became uh, correctional institutions. And as in the case of California, for example, the Department of Corrections uh, has become the Department of California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. But nothing changed other than the names. Things remained the same. Now, in the mid-'70s, there was another prisoner's movement developed. And this one was... Uh, was more conscious. Uh, one of the things that that uh, I've tried to do in my work is to make social prisoners rights conscious and rights conscious prisoners class conscious. Now, back in the 70s, there was a high level of class consciousness on the inside across the United States, and there were there was many newspapers put out by prisoners and printed on printed on the streets and distributed. Uh, and at the height of that movement, the U.S. Supreme Court decided uh, a case called Procunia versus Martinez, a California case, in which it held that prisoners have a First Amendment right to freedom of speech. And as soon as that movement died, uh, which co- kind of coincided with the uh, the the Reagan administration, as soon as that movement died, uh, the court started uh, narrowing that ruin, backing off, backing off, backing off, to where the First Amendment rights of prisoners is right back to the, essentially, the hands-off doctrine that existed uh, prior to the 70s, where the courts held that prisoners have no rights. They're slaves to the state. They have no rights the courts are bound to respect. And so, like, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, has, in the love, has, has ruled against uh, discriminating uh, against people who of, of mixed races who want to marry. They've uh, authorized uh, uh, gay marriage. Uh, as, 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 a constitu- as a constitutional right. It's when there's a movement, the Supreme Court 
will 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 back off, will open its arms, will say okay in order to defuse uh, that struggle. But as soon as things die down, they start narrowing them. Sort of like they've done with Roe versus Ray, uh, excuse me, Roe versus Wade. Right. With over the years. Uh, they'll be doing so. It's not just the legislatures; it's also the courts that are a part of the problem. But racial. And, and what's, Sorry, go ahead. And 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 what it's going to take, uh, just like what it took in order to bring about uh, gay marriages, but what it's going to take is a uh, is a strong, unified, and peaceful uh, prisoners' movement uh, aimed at bringing about uh, constructive change. Uh, it, it, it seems from what I've read that this strike movement uh, is is unified across racial divisions, uh, and it includes in its demands uh, an end to some of the some of the racial discrimination that uh, that has always remained in the in the criminal justice system. Uh, there's a demand for an end to racial overcharging, over sentencing and parole denials on the basis of race, uh, denials yeah. uh, on the basis of the race of the victim, uh, being denied parole because the victim was white, uh, an, an end to racist gang enhancement laws that target black and brown people. Uh, is I mean, it seems that, that racial discrimination uh, has never been undone within this system. No, uh, the prison system is the darkest, uh, the deep, dark corners where light seldom penetrates. And states like California pass laws, where legislatures have passed laws, uh, barring uh, access to the news media by prisoners. And this is this is the, like the area where the light of day needs to shine the brightest, and 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 they uh, they just don't want prisoners to communicate with the outside world. Well, you know it's happening. Uh, the one problem is now uh, this is an ongoing struggle, and 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 we don't measure it uh, as a result of this particular uh, action. Uh, it may take uh, another year, it may take another five years, another ten years, uh, however long it takes. Uh, it's uh, a, a, a matter of growing consciousness. Uh, Harriet Tubman uh, was is is attributed with saying, "I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed another thousand if only they had known they were slaves." And we sort of have the same problem here, uh, you know. So it takes time for the consciousness of prisoners to to raise. But this struggle is a step in the right direction of bringing that about. For sure. You, you talk about all the, these name changes to uh, have prisons include the name corrections and rehabilitation and so forth, uh, but it seems to be largely absent in substance, and you've got uh, demands on here basically that there be any sort of rehabilitation, that prisoners not be denied uh, the right to participate in rehabilitation, uh, that uh, that Pell Grants uh, be reinstated, that uh, state prisons be funded to offer rehabilitation services. Uh, I mean, it seems to be n not there in the way that it is in the in the names and perhaps in people's imagination. Well, 
Yeah, all the, all the law enforcement correctional officers want to do is uh, hoodwink the public into, oh, well, you know, the prisoners are being, I don't know why the recidivism rate is so high, the prisoners are being rehabilitated, but in actuality, they are warehoused for X number of years and then released with $40 in their pocket, not even enough for a hotel room for the night. And when I was released from uh, uh, the federal prison in Sheridan, Oregon, I wasn't given, I didn't have a penny. I mean, they didn't give me anything. Uh, you know, they gave me a, uh, uh, a ride to the airport and a plane ticket to Seattle, and that was it. And what did you do? Uh, well, uh, I, I managed to get to my sister's house up in Cedar Woolley, and uh, she took me in and helped me out. Then I got a job. Well, I, I started out do, uh, doing temp work, office, temp office work. Yeah. And uh, uh, got hired permanently and then got myself a better job and uh, continued that process. I was offered, offered a job as a network administrator in, for a company in San Francisco, and I took that and uh, worked there until I reached retirement age. And uh, I was making $75,000 a year uh, working with computers. Now, the interesting part of this story is that I worked for years to get computers inside uh, a Washington prison. And finally, they allowed it to happen. And not only myself, but another, a, a number of other prisoners. We started a, we started a, uh, a prisoner's user group called PUG, prisoner's user group. And we kind of kept track. Uh, it, you know, more anecdotal, anecdotal than not, but out of 20 uh, prisoners who were released who had had personal computers in their cells, not a single one of them of uh, them recidivated, uh, whereas the recidivism rate amongst, uh, you know, prisons in general is between 67 and 83 percent. What, what had they learned well, that, that had that impact? What skills did they acquire, or, or what, what was the cause? Well, in, in my case, I, you know, I learned, uh, I learned the computer hardware, and I learned the computer software. And so when I went out to to uh, take a temporary office job, uh, they have a little test there to see how well you know, for example, word processing. And I was able to pretty much ace uh, all of those tests. And so here was a pro- here was a program. We paid for the computers ourselves. It cost the state nothing. There's zero recidivism rate. Yet after I was released, they canceled the program uh, for no reason whatsoever than they didn't want to appear to be coddling prisoners. <laughs> uh, you know, they wanted to be tough. And so uh, they removed the computers. Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm brought back to the, the, the last demand on the, the list of demands in this strike, which you already mentioned, which is the right to vote. Uh, if uh, if every every form of cruelty and abuse is somehow an appeal to sadistic non-prisoner voters, uh, it, it ought to make a significant difference if prisoners were voters. Well, here's the thing. Uh, 
do people, do these people you're talking about, do they support democracy or don't they support democracy? Do they support the right of every citizen to vote or don't they? Do they think that we should have slaves in the United States? Is slavery a good thing or should we abolish it forever? Those are the, the, the prisoners have right and they have justice on their side. I mean, the people who are going to stand up against democracy and support slavery uh, have a tough road to hoe because they're wrong. Should we amend the U.S. Constitution to get rid of that exception, that loophole for yes. slavery? That, that is what must be done. And it can't be done through the courts. It has to be done through a political struggle. And the only people who are going to do that are the prisoners, the former prisoners, and the loved ones of both of those groups. And maybe some of us who actually care about other people, even though we aren't prisoners and our families aren't in prison. Uh, we've, uh, a place where I work, rootsaction.org, we've set up a form where people can email their state legislators uh, and Congress members uh, with this set of demands from the, from the strike. And many thousands of people are, are doing that. And you can do that at rootsaction.org. Uh, and... Some of us just uh, actually do believe in democracy and human rights. I know. <laughs> and we're treated nuts. Indeed, indeed. Well, we've, we've got just a couple minutes left. Will we be able to get, to get news on how this strike develops? What, what can we expect to hear uh, after it's ended? There will be, uh, when, you, when you called, I was writing an article on, uh, on the First Amendment and, uh, and, and prisoners and censorship. Uh, what I would suggest people do is Google prison strike, and there will be a lot of information that way. Uh, there's also a lot of progressive uh, publications and websites. Uh, Critical Resistance is one. Where you know this kind of uh, the uh, incarcerated workers organizing committee uh, do a search for that. They'll give you the most direct and up to date uh, information you can obtain. Is, is that like the central outside support network? Uh, the incarcerated workers organizing committee (IWOC). Uh, search for that, and if you really want to know what's going on. The Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee, and then can they put you in in touch with with prisoners near you? Can you get in communication with with people in prisons in your state? Um, there are there are prisoners are are crying out for contact with the outside world. So yes, uh, uh, you can also do a Google search for uh, a pen pal prisoners. Yeah. Uh, the problem is that you don't want, that if you're going to correspond with a prisoner, you want to correspond with someone who is rights conscious or class conscious, uh, not just some social prisoner who is, you know, uh, looking for another hustle. Yeah. Well, it's it's absolutely worth trying. Uh, we've been speaking with Ed Mead, who is the former director of the Prison Art Project and former co-editor of Prison Focus, and, as you've heard, a former prisoner. He's also the author of Lumpen, the autobiography of 
Ed Mead. Uh, again, go to rootsaction.org and contact your legislators uh, and give your assistance to this prison strike. Ed Mead, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you for having me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.